Welcome to Rebecca Sounds Reveille. We got a treat for you today, I've got to tell you, because with us is a motivational speaker, an author, a founder of Work Boot Recycling Program. Wait till you hear this. She is a co-host of Women Road Warriors, even more. And for those of you who celebrate women in history all the time. This is someone that you have got to meet. She holds a nursing diploma as well in surgical medical geriatric units that she worked in for mm, probably over 13 years. She also holds a certificate in occupational health and safety and has worked full-time, wait for it, as a heavy equipment operator in Alberta, Canada. There is so much to this woman. You think that... Uh Someone could be just packed with, wait, wait, she's explosive. You're going to see because when you hear how skilled she is at driving the type of trucks that she does, and I'm going to minimize it right now, Caterpillar truck, a liter water truck, 24, well, a grader, should we like excavate? I mean, I can think of the ones, the trucks that I know of or the equipment, but wait, just wait. This is going to blow your mind because she, in this small package is, like I said, explosive. She has proven herself by driving absolutely the biggest equipment in the world. And welcome to the show, Kathy Takaro. <laughs> that was absolutely wonderful. <laughs> I, I've got to tell you, I'm excited because you and I share so many commonalities yeah. and it is just <laughs> extraordinary to get the information out and say, look, what's behind this package and what I can do. And boy, you oh. are just doing it. You've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. And all the way around, you're also service oriented. Tell me how you got started doing what you're doing. Oh my God, it's such a story. Uh, that's why I wrote a book. <laughs> um, you know, I when I was nurse, yes, that book. There you go. <laughs> I gotta make sure there's no yeah. glare here. Yeah, that's, that's the truck that I drive. I literally drive. She didn't mention it, but I drive the biggest truck in the world, the biggest equipment in the world. And it is not just your regular, you know, 18 wheel flat deck, heavy hauler, you know, or you know, road. But no, I, I drive a truck the size of a house, as you saw in my book. Um, but I mean, it, it, I've been doing this for nine years, but before that, um, let's see, 10 years ago, I was drunk and homeless on the streets. I ended up losing my nursing career. I had lost everything I owned. My, even my 16 year old daughter wouldn't talk to me. I had slashed my arm. I don't know if you can see it. I had big slashes, gauges. I, I cut, I, I don't, I don't remember doing it. I was drunk. I had, I was a wicked alcoholic. I couldn't function. And the reason that the reason I ended up drunk and homeless and losing my three, my wonderful nursing career is because I had never spoken of childhood trauma. I mean, I was molested as a child. I was raped at 14, 15. I was attacked 18. I was drugged and raped by a photographer in Miami. I was gang raped at you know 19, like just all these things, but no one had ever, even my own mother didn't know. Like I, I couldn't voice it. I couldn't talk about it. And so even though like the way I used to, to, to say is that, it was a wound, just like I was caring for wounds in nursing, right? We see the physical wounds, but our, our, our trauma is inside. So it's still a wound. And what happens when you don't take care of wounds? They become infected, right? And the infection yes. becomes septic and toxic. But the way the inner wounds um, become septic, it, it affects the, your mind. It affects the way you think. It affects your self-esteem. It affects, it gives you addiction. It gives you, you know, 
um, all sorts of like depression and anxiety and eating disorders, anything. So the reason I lost my nursing career was because I didn't tend to those inner wounds, right? I pretended that everything was fine. I'm a nurse. I got this great career. Life is fantastic. When in reality, it wasn't because I was living, uh, I was during seven and a half years of incredible domestic violence, but nobody at work knew that either because I was really good at smiling and saying, yeah, you know, I'm good. I'm tough. When in reality, I'm a mess. I'm a complete disaster. Nobody knew. It was so bad that I was living in and out of women's shelters and still nursing at the same time. You know, oh, it's easy. It, yeah, it's really easy uh, at that time for me to take care of everybody else and not take care of me. I mean, I'm working 12, 16 hour days, excuse me, 16 hour days. I was working two jobs just because I didn't want to go home. It was so violent and so awful at home, but I didn't have the tools to help myself because I was a mess from not dealing with anything. Right. So, so long. Oh, sorry. Go. No, I'm just, I'm just thinking about how much spot on the things that you're saying that the, there are so many people who are not only watching, but listening yeah. and identify exactly. Yeah. 100% with what you're saying, because this face I know, like so right? Said these internal traumas, these injuries, and yet they're not addressed. The wounds, the wounds aren't. No. You don't go to the hospital like you do if you, you know, slice this or break this. And the stigma yeah. behind when you go to get help for something that's going on internally keeps people away. And 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 the thing is, is that people are almost groomed into portraying that they live behind a white picket fence. You know, they have the house, the kids, the cars, the dog, you know, whatever. But in reality, it's freaking chaos, right? No, it's so true. It is. But uh, socially, they're like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm good. You know, I, you know, I'm driving. In reality, they're a mess. And they don't want to they don't want to show that that they're, they're not OK in telling people that they're not okay, you know? And so yeah. that's what that, that illusion, that mass illusion that society lives under. And that's what I'm trying to break free through, through all that I do is that just be real, say it. If something's not going, then talk about it. Have that voice. Don't keep things secret inside because it becomes toxic and it really will affect everything that you do, the decisions that you make, the people that you surround yourself, the toxicity and the negativity will only bring you down. It'll keep you a prisoner in your own mind. So I'm telling people to break free from that. And the only way to do that is to be honest with yourself, right? And look at yourself and say, okay, you know what? This is just an illusion. I am not really that well. So maybe it's time that I start looking at myself and breaking down um, whatever patterns or habits that you have um, with that. But one of the biggest things is that people are so entrapped is a good word in, in the comfort zone or the lifestyle that they wish that they want, that breaking free of that is going to require, uh, they're going to have financial problems. It's going to be hard. They're looking at themselves. They're looking at certain things that they don't want to remember. Well, yeah. you know what, if you want change, you got to make the effort. You, you got to break through that. Right. Change is not going to happen overnight. Number one. And number two, you have to be willing and able to surrender that maybe you do need some help and it's OK to, to get help. Doesn't matter what job title that you have. If you're a CEO, a CFO, whatever it is that you do in life, 
you're still human. You still, life is hard, especially nowadays, you know, and it's okay to say that you're not okay. Go get the mental health. There's so many mental health resources out there. Like it's, why not? And most of them are free, especially since COVID. Yeah, absolutely. And here's what I think. If you have recognized that there's something going on within you, yeah. now you're accountable. Because yeah. if, if you don't know, you can't quite be as accountable. But the minute you know, and most of us do, yeah. and we know, and we use a lot of reasons. I don't necessarily... Yeah. Excuses? No. <laughs> We, a lot of, we have a lot of reasons for why we yeah. don't act on something and why we don't really, we leave an unhealthy relationship or an unhealthy situation. And it can mm-hmm. be an unhealthy relationship with your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, parents, whatever it is, yeah. coworkers, an, an employer, we know something's wrong. And it's our responsibility to say, if I want my life to change, I can't wait for the other people no in that environment to change or for things that will cause that environment to change. You have to make the decision and know, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of a challenge along the way because I've got to find resources that's going to address the comfort zone. Like you said that I have now and so that I can get where I'm going. Maybe, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I, I waited until I was 40. I was looking for someone to save me from myself. I didn't know how to go about it. And so I wanted someone to, to pick me up and, you know, bring me somewhere and do it for me. And what the way it, the way it worked out for me is that I pushed, I kept plotting on, plotting on. I know I'm tired. I know I'm not well. I know I need help. I need that paycheck. What are you going to do? Right. I'm drinking reg- regularly. So that just does not help in, in the terms of depression wise. It just makes it worse. So the way I'm going to call it, the way God worked in my life is that I kept pushing, pushing, pushing until the one day when I had my burnout at 40, I was working on the medical unit. I show up at work for night shift and I'm tired and I know I'm tired and my brain is foggy, not just from the alcohol intake, but just from just life and so tired. And I get to work and I look, I got 10 people on my sheet, 10 patients to look at, to to take care of. And I couldn't see the words. I couldn't read the sheets. And I knew that that was it. I was done. Right. It was like it was like all mumble jumble on the sheet. And I'm like, OK, I'm done. So I quit my job and I went from the medical unit down to the psychiatric unit at the hospital where I work. Okay. And in between the two units, I lost my mind. It, it just it's like 40 years of repressed trauma and and pain and, and misery. It just came shooting out like a geyser. And. I lost it. So I run running down the hall. I made it down to the, to the psych unit, which is locked. Right? And I'm pounding on the doors. Like, let me in, let me in. Yeah. I could see them through the window. They're actually calling security. Get her out, get her out. Oh. Right? So I had two, two security guards drag me down the hall, down to, uh, to a emergency. It was like a padded room. So I wouldn't hurt myself, but it was there. That was the first time that I spoke to a psychiatric doctor. Um, about things. I had never spoken to anybody about anything. And it was there that I finally opened up. He was so kind. And I, I thought for sure that he was going to stamp me on the forehead, you know, as, label me as bipolar, so, you know, uh, multiple personality, whatever. Give me some happy pills, lock me up for 72 hours for an assessment, right? And then tell me that there was something wrong with me. 
So at the end, when I say, okay, well, you know, after two hours of talking, I said, so are, are we going? He says, go where? And I, well, I said, aren't you going to lock me up and give me some happy pills? And he, he puts his glasses down and he says, oh, oh no, my dear. The only, he says, there's no amount of pills in the world that is going to fix you. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? After all that I told you? And he says, he says, number one, you need to quit drinking alcohol. He says, number two, he says, I've been taking notes. He shows me the list. He says, did you see how much is on this list? He says, you need to address this. Pills don't fix this. <laughs> you need to fix this. That was like a, like a, a thunderbolt in my life. I, I couldn't believe it. And I went to a, a 21 uh, treatment uh, place for alcohol. And it was there that I realized that the alcohol was so not the problem that it was everything on that page. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you, that was in 2008. And it took until 2011 when I ended up homeless on the streets. Change, like I said earlier, change does not happen overnight. Even though I know I have a problem, I know it needs to be fixed. There's a lot of layers, a lot of pain. So you can only chip a little bit at a time. So it took a long time. And even now, that was like how, how many years ago? We're 2022. I'm still changing. I'm still growing. I'm still evolving. Right. And I, I'm using whatever happened, not not as um, I use it as fuel now. I use it as my motivating factor to continue doing what I do to help others accomplish where they need to go. Right. Because I've lived it. I want to jump back for a minute to the time at the psychiatrist, because this, I think, is something that those that are watching and listening really, if they, if they were to take something away, this would be the point where I would say, mm -hmm. you've got to pay attention right here because the biggest challenge for a lot of people in understanding about sharing what's going on or seeking tools, resources, mm -hmm. or a confidant is the fear of what is going to happen if I tell you that this is going on with me. Are they going to right. lock me up? If that happens, I lose my job. Then I lose my kids. And there's this whole tumbling down a hill of mm -hmm. something that probably won't happen. Because yeah. they're going to say like what you shared, these are the things we need to address. Let's look here first. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to go back to that because this is really important for anybody out there that is listening, watching, knows somebody who's in a situation, even though they haven't said it, because oftentimes people can see right through us, even when we've got this big yes. facade going, they'll say, I knew that was going on with you. I was just waiting for you to tell me. But that is something, that fear, if we can just take a peek at that fear and say, okay, that more than likely won't happen in the event that it were, this is where I'm at. I really need to make a change. What would I do if? more than likely you're not going to need to use that if, but let's just mm -hmm. say you were. So here you have done all this. You're sharing this with the audience. And I absolutely love it because you have so incredibly moved to do these massive things that you're doing now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, you know why it's because I'll tell you something. When I went from toothless Joe, when I was drunk and homeless and I, I've always known there's something bigger inside me. There's a purpose. And being drunk and homeless on the street, standing beside a guy named Toothless Joe was not it. It's not it. <laughs> I know. I don't know how to get there. But all I know is this isn't it. <laughs> right? 
So I made a decision, even though I had nothing, I had been robbed. I had no identification. I literally only had the clothes on my back. And I'm looking at this guy and he's going, this is the life, you know, live it, love it. Oh my God. Like he slapped me on the back and it was like a, a God smack because decades of depression and just, you know, hardships, it went crumbling down and I'm looking at my surroundings. I'm like, what did you just say? I said, this, not my life. And I made, I even stomped my foot. I said, this is not my life. My story is not going to end standing here looking at you, right? So I turned around and I had, I, I went to detox. I found a women's center where you live there for a year and you learn about anger management, self-esteem, boundaries, women, boundaries. <laughs> My God, uh, codependency, huge. I had to ask the counselor, what does that mean? I don't even know what that, you know, I had to figure it out. I had to take a 12-week sexual assault recovery course twice, you know, because like I was saying, so many layers. But in saying all that, I knew I couldn't uh, remain a nurse because it's too caring and too caregiving. And I needed something where I could just take care of me. I mean, how do you change careers when you're, you know, I was 42 at the time. Like, how do you do that? All I know is nursing. I ended up having to go to a career planning workshop to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up 42. <laughs> and um, shocking to me after three days of aptitudes personalities the lady said you know it's you're, you're you're geared for a heavy equipment operator i laughed so hard rebecca i just about fell off my chair i'm so like that is, huh? you didn't expect that at all no i'm like are you kidding me I, i'm looking at this woman the, the the instructor i said i'm 42 i'm a woman i don't even like equipment i'm not mechanically inclined and in my opinion it's a man's job i said your test is wrong right i, I push it back she looks at me puts her glasses down, puts one hand on her hip and says, if only you believe in yourself a little bit, Missy, <laughs> you'd see the test is right. She oh. gives it back. She put on a 10 minute video of Les Brown. It's possible for those that don't know who Les Brown is biggest uh, um, motivational speaker in the world. So she puts on a video from him. It's possible. And I went from sitting like this with my arms crossed. I just, this is bullshit. I just wasted three days, you know, to actually opening myself to the possibility mm -hmm. that, you know what? I'm a good driver. I could drive a truck. I had no idea these trucks existed, but, you know, I said I could drive a truck. So she sent me to a nonprofit organization called Women Building Futures, where women get into the, the non-traditional trades sponsored by companies. The, the day, my uh, my luck, uh, the day I walked in was the day that Imperial Oil um, happened to be there sponsoring 16 women to take this 12-week course. 170 women applied. Why would they pick me? Because I had nothing left to lose. I, I had already lost it all. I made sure they picked me. I mean, I went above and beyond to, to jump through their hoops and do what they wanted me to do. Well, even though like that was nine years ago, I mean, I, I did the course they, uh, out of the 16, they hired 11. I got hired. It's great. It's a f f fabulous job. Ladies, if you're, if you're looking for a career, try it. it, it ch it'll change you. It pays well. It does wonders for your self-esteem. You know, it's challenging and all that. But even though I have that as a job, it's just a job. I, I, my purpose in life, like I was saying back standing there with Toothless Joe, it, it's not to operate heavy equipment. It is the time given to me, the finances that, that, that this job provides, the time that I have, because I work two weeks on, get two weeks off. Well, two weeks for a recovering alcoholic is a long time. So I decided to use that time 
to write that I wrote the book. I, I do workshops. I, I, I travel. I, I work. I go everywhere um, in any city that I'm at. I find the women's shelters. I find recovery homes. I find juvenile homes. I find youth groups. And I go there for free just to say, hey, man, you know, this is my life. If, if I can change, if I can get off the streets, if I can figure it out, deal with my trauma and flip that switch in my mindset that I freaking rock, that I'm not a piece of crap. I'm, I'm not all the lies that have been fed into me since childhood, that I'm so not that, that you can too. Right. And if, if I can inspire people that way, then I think that is my purpose. It, 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 it helps me sleep at night that I've changed one person's life. Right. So do with all of the, places that you go the all of them yeah to make which is a lot <laughs> yeah it is a lot yeah. because there's it so is. many different levels it really is. of where people are at in addressing different types of trauma yeah let me ask you out of all of them have you found a common theme of how people feel about themselves like i didn't realize i had a purpose yeah. or something else i mean is there anything that you find that just it kind of resonates with a lot of people who have faced this and even though they're in different layers of situations whether it's juvenile or women's or whatever you know i think from just from because i've spoken to i'm going to say thousands and thousands of people all over the world uh to date and the common denominator really is um childhood trauma that has been unaddressed uh, childhood, you know, people think that sometimes the, the violence is, is the key to low self-esteem being physically attacked. It's not so much that it's the words, you yeah. know, hearing as a child, like I grew up with, with, you know, you're stupid, you're useless. You'll never amount to nothing. Look at you. You shouldn't be pollute the air. You you pollute the air, you do everything you do is wrong. And so I, I it was really difficult for me to get rid of that in my mind. So growing up with thinking that I'm that I that I'm worthless, it what it does, it 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 gravitates you to people who feed off that, you know? Oh, that makes so, sense. Yeah. The, the predators, yeah, the predators saying, pick up on advantage that. advantage of you. And I think the predator is a, a much stronger and more potent word for this because yeah. that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it, it and is. And that's why it human is. trafficking is to the degree that it is because oh. of predators that are just, I mean, just seeking. They, they're scouring all the time looking for that slight bit of vulnerability. And the thing is, most people that are in that situation growing up that way don't realize that no that they're in a vulnerable state. They don't know yeah. any difference. So why would there be a question that why would I be a target? That there's a completely different understanding there. Oh, it's yeah, it's like a, it's a whole um, web of lies that a person with low self-esteem will fall easily into. And I'm speaking that from not just my own experience, but from all these women, these, these youth. I'm not just saying women because I talk to a lot of guys too. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I agree on this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And speaking of that, even guys at work, um, when I was, let me bring this up. When I was, when my book first came out, um, I was, I was three days right before it was about to come out. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do my deep. <laughs> 
I had to go in front of my crew because I'm thinking, oh my God, nobody at work knows anything about me. All they know is that I was a nurse and that I'm happy and that life is good. They know nothing about my life. So that really, it bothered me to like, I was up for three days with anxiety and just like, oh my God, like, am I going to get fired? Like, am I, am I going to have this, this stigma attached to me at work? Because these are tough, heavy equipment operators that, you know, that it, it's not like I'm speaking at a women's shelter. You know, it's different. Yes. So I said, then it, on the third day, I figured out, you know what, this is crap. Don't tell me that these guys don't have problems, that they don't have, you know, suicide in the family, cancer, maybe, maybe they've been sexually abused as a kid. You don't know. Right. So they, they, they're putting on that same image that I did when I was nursing that they're tough and they're this and they're that when in reality, they're not. So what I did is I went in front of my crew before the book came out and I had this image on two screens because we have a big, big area. I said, you see that book? I said, it's not about mining. It has nothing to do about mining. <laughs> and so I, I proceeded to say, I said, this happened, this happened, and this happened. I'm not asking you to buy the book. What I'm asking you is that if you know someone who's hurting, who, whose one sentence in that book might change their life, I'm asking you to pay it forward, right? You, you don't need to know all the details. Well, because I did that, oh my gosh, Um because I had the courage to do that. Let me, let me rephrase that, that the courage. Is, yes. Um, I've had people all over the company from different sites, from different, um, different departments reach out to me and say, Hey, you know, I have two daughters at home. They're really struggling or, or my sister is a mess or my mother or my, you know, my brother, he's suicidal. Can you, so I, it, it went from saying, from my coworkers saying, hey, how's the weather? What did you do on days off? Basic superficial bullshit, excuse my language, <laughs> you know, superficial stuff at, to actually having conversations about real life issues, yes. not the superficial stuff. And it, it, it's changed everything at work. Like I, to this day, I still get these big tough guys saying, you know, that you would never approach in a million years, say, hey, Kathy, you know, I want to buy two of your books. And I'm like, wow. Right. And so that's the whole baseline of what I do is to to start conversations that there you don't have to be superficial. When I go speak at it for, for large companies like, like Caterpillar or Fitting, these are corporate co corporate corporations. Well, these are all executives. Right. And here I am. They, they got all these titles, which I kind of joke about, you know, CEO, CFO. And here's me, HEO, heavy equipment operator. I'm at the bottom of the pole. But people even though you have a big job title, you're still human. You still have life yes. problems. I want to share that too, because I've worked with victims for many, many, many years now, well over yeah. 20 years. And some of the ones when I first were working with people were kind of surprising because they would be doctors who were the aggressor. Yeah. They were abusing their wife and their yeah. children. And we, I think, live in this, misperception world. We misperceive mm -hmm. our own selves and we also misperceive others. We think that what we see is exactly how it appears and that is not the case. And, and most of us should think about that too, because what is going on in your world? I'm going to ask you, you don't have to answer this, not for you, Kathy, but those watching and listening, what's going on in your world that you don't share with others? Exactly. Same thing with everybody else that you come on across. And why do I say that? Because we're all human. We're wired right. with emotions yeah. and the way that we have been brought up and all of the things that make us a human being. There's nothing wrong with that. But understand that that's okay 
to know that we have these things that we misinterpret. And that's exactly what's exciting about the things that you just shared. Executive level, they're saying, hey, Kathy, tell me what you got in Mm -hmm. there. And you said, it could be just one sentence. And really, truly, that essentially sometimes is all it takes is one little phrase that creates a massive earthquake in someone's world and they're on a new road. If I were at home in Cochrane in Canada, um, on my in my office, I have I, I created the wall of love and it's gifts, it's text messages, it's letters, it's notes written on napkins, it's li- little things that people give to me. And I put it on my wall as a reminder uh, on days that I'm struggling. Am I making a difference? Should I continue? Like, what am I doing? Because I mean, I, I still struggle. And I look at that wall and I look at the, the, the worldwide impact that I've had. That is my motivation, right? Because like I said, that one sentence that will change and I have the text to prove it and I still get them. I get the, the emails, I get, you know, the messages uh, on Facebook, on, on all sorts of social media. Oh my God, Kathy, you know, you did this and this and this. That is my motivation, right? And that tells me that what I'm doing is, is the right thing to do. So in addition to being able to share your journey through writing, as well as going out and helping people when you go give your motivational speaking, you drop in Mm -hmm. and talk to places at people at shelter, these places all over throughout your journey. There's another way that you do you, and that (laughs) is on the radio. Oh, yes. <laughs> I uh, I am now a co-host for Women World yes. Warriors uh, based out of TNC Live uh, Radio uh, from Houston, Texas. My co-host, Shelly Johnson, she's spectacular. And uh, yours truly, yourself, or as a guest on our show. Yes. <laughs> That's how we met. <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> on there with what? both of you. Wasn't it nice? It was just, oh my gosh, this came about because I, she interviewed me for her show last year and thought I was so vibrant and it's so much value to what I said. She, she emailed me after she says, Hey, you know, I was thinking about creating a, a, a show specifically for, you know, women. Would you want to be my co-host? I'm like, what? Really? I'm like, yeah, never say no to an opportunity. So yeah. And so now we've uh, just two weeks ago, we interviewed Valerie Bertinelli. From, oh, I, you know, Eddie, I know she just sent me a case of her books. I got them almost yesterday before I flew home um, of her book called Enough Already. So most of them, uh, there's about 20 books. I'm going to be distributing them to certain women that really, really struggle because her book is titled Enough Already. Yeah, and she, she signed them all. Mm-hmm. She has yeah. a Hers is incredible. Yeah, yeah. what an honor. I mean, yeah. if only Toothless Joe could see me now. <laughs> Seriously, though, because what you're doing and you are inspiring those who may not have shared some things or it has only been in a limited circle to actually start getting that out and making a difference for other people. And the more of us that do this, the better impacts that we have and the chance to change lives in such a healthy way. And I love the fact that you are on on the program that you are on the station that you are and it's addressing women and women yeah. that, you know, when you think about it road warriors <laughs> i mean these are women in a men's field more than not more than yeah. likely and i found it appealing because i was a, a you know a truck driver and a mechanic in the marine corps and that is unique for, rock. Um, just, for instance, <laughs> rock. small 
whatever, you know, part of the world. And, and but nonetheless, the impact is absolutely huge because women that are taking on these jobs know that they can get out and I mean, just smash at something. Mm-hmm. Hey, I've got something to say and I'm going to share this with you. And, and it's not in a rude way. It's just in a way that is so they can reach men mm-hmm. um, in some ways that others can't just simply because of the field of the work. You're we're in this field. We work side by side so I can talk to you. They know you're pulling your weight. They yeah. feel you can trust you. You're not going to you know, think bad of them or whatever the case. And they will open up to you just like they've done for you. And Mm -hmm. that's incredible. And I love what's going on. Plus all of the education and the guests that you have on are absolutely informative. And it's just, they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm so blessed. I'm so, so blessed. And it's fun. I mean, who knew (laughs) that I'd be good at it? Well, it's, you love it though. I mean, you have a passion for it. That's what makes you yes. not only good, but great at what you're doing. And you are. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I love it. And, um, and the focus is great. I was hoping that you were right here in Texas because I know that the station is based here and I was going to just drive on over and be like, hey guys, <laughs> how's it going? Let me see that. Maybe I'm going to have to take a drive Kathy. and come see you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me see that big truck you're driving, Kathy. I want to <laughs> see that. <laughs> oh i know it's something else <laughs> i'm a bobblehead now <laughs> you know what i do you have one of you i do i do uh, i'd have to get up and go get it okay though. so next okay? time we'll save that next for the time. next show okay because All i right. really want to i want to see this and i gotta talk to you i gotta talk to you off air about this because this okay one, okay <laughs> oh hang on hang on hang on hang on look at this are you ready i'm ready Ta-da! <laughs> I love that. See, they're real lookalike, and it's got my little truck. It's got Kapow, which I, which I, Kathy Power, you know, my Kapow. And these are big fists because in my workshops, I have uh, these giant Hulk fists. So, yeah, this is my little uh, bobblehead, my little cat truck. Those that are viewing and listening that want to check this out, can they, can they purchase one? Um, You know what? I just, uh, I have an order of 500 of them. They're sitting in China. (laughs) I have to get them here. So it's on, it's on the way. It'll be a few months, but maybe by the next time we, we talk, it'll be there. Put me down on reservation. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, right? It's only 500. Can you number it so that when it's a collector's item? (laughs) Okay. Oh, that's a good idea. Good idea. Okay. Sounds good. So I gotta tell you, I'm really excited about all the things that you're going on. I think we've covered yeah. so much today that yeah. those that get a chance to, um, re, you know, when it when it's rebroadcast or they go to one of the um, platforms where you can mm-hmm. listen to it again, I am going to encourage people to listen to it again and really try and grasp the meat about the things that you have shared because it's a lot and. Oftentimes when we first listen to something, we have this thought, this thought, this thought, Mm -hmm. and then we think about that and we act on those things. But when we, once we've kind of done that, if we go back and review, we're going to find even more things that will give us a, a bigger, a bigger smorgasbord of things to choose from on how we want to do things and understand things. And I want the audience to connect with you because I think not only through this, but the other things that you have going, which I don't want to share all of them. I mean, maybe you want to drop a hint before you share your links with everybody because oh, 
these are big things happening for you and they want to get on board because I think that this is just an important way to change the trajectory of where someone's going. You're right. You're right. I am in the process of doing a major rebranding of, uh, of what I do. And so in, I, I do have www.kathytakaro.com, which is my regular website. But I've now I've changed it to it's in the, it's in construction. You can go look at the site, but it's still I haven't it's not quite ready. Um, designerminer.net is my my new thing because you can, I'm, I'm creating an online course for seven keys to designing your life after trauma. And it's going to be very beneficial to any type of trauma, anything um, that's gone on in your life. And just even for personal growth, even if you say you haven't had trauma, there's still a lot of important and valuable information in that course that will enable you and assist you to take the next step in life. Because, I mean, every different level uh, that you want to achieve is going to require a different version of yourself. You can't. I couldn't be where I am today with the same mindset that I was 10 years ago. Right. So that, that all the steps. So, yeah. So designerminer.net, uh, there's going to be a whole bunch of interesting stuff on there. And yeah, I, I, I moved to LA, California now, so I can get, uh, I got a screenplay on the go and that's all I'm going to say about that. We'll leave that one alone. Um, yeah. I mean, if you want change, you have to take the steps to get there. You cannot sit on the couch watching useless TV programs. If you want anything in your life to happen, you have to turn that TV off, step away from your phone and focus, right? Figure out what you want and make the commitment. That's it. Right. Cause if you wait for someone to do it for you, you're going to wait forever. Right. That, that is very, very true. And I think with that, I just want to share how much I appreciate you sharing the things that you have so far. Your journey is absolutely incredible. And I thank you for dedicating your Uh, focus on helping others. That too is so, I can't even really articulate how much joy that brings me. (laughs) You know, the bottom line really in anything um, in any goal or vision or dream that you have is that you have to believe in the person you want to become. You know, you, you have to, to like, in my case, I had to unlearn everything that was ever put in my brain since childhood. I had to relearn who Kathy really was, but the hardest part about it was accepting how freaking awesome I am. <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying that in an egotistical way. I'm just saying no. accepting, accepting that, you know what? I got some incredible qualities and I'm not going to let anybody else's opinion squish that because it doesn't matter what you think, right? It's what I think. Exactly. Right? That is exactly. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for <laughs> being with us today. It's been so nice. Thank you for, for yeah. having me as a guest. I just love this. I know you're going to be making changes just from this alone and you're doing it every day. So thank you. I'll talk to you soon. We'll do this again. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. And so for those that are in the audience wondering, Hey, when is Kathy coming back on? It's It's not going to be that long actually. So uh, just okay. that, go to www.kathytakaro.com and designerminer.com. Both of those things you, you are going to want to check out. Stay on top of what Kathy's doing. As she said, yeah. she's got a screenplay. She's got a course coming out. There's more. And these are all things that are going to help you develop. Oh, I have a children's book. I forgot. Oh, I have a, 
<laughs> Wait. Wait, my there's more. This this book is in five languages, by the way: English, Spanish, Portuguese, French, and now Hindi. It's just coming out in Hindi. And my children's book is in five languages as well. <laughs> this is fabulous. This is yeah. I'm super excited about this. Yeah. So yeah. I hope all of you who've had a yeah. chance to get to know Kathy a little bit today are feeling the same excitement as I am. And uh, I'm number one on the bobble and the doll list here. Oh, okay. if, if any of you think you're going to go first, no, you can go behind me. But remember, she's only got five. You're number one. Deal. I just want to thank you again, Kathy. I want to thank all of you for tuning into another episode of Rebecca Sounds Reveille. Make sure that you talk to and pass the information along about what we talked to today. Let others know about the show. Let them hear what Kathy's had to say. Know that we are here to support your journey. And I want to leave you with this thought. Be who you are supposed to become, as Kathy Mm -hmm. said just a minute ago. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure that you get this out to your friends, family, everybody you know on social media. Everybody, you you don't. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. Bye. (laughs) 